art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no home, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul. Whatever thou be, until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan. Hello, Dan. Hello, Lindsay. There you go. I'm Lindsay, and mm-hmm. these are my unicorn socks. Well, there you go. There you have it. Uh, volume. This is episode ninety-seven, and yep. volume two of the Scared to Death book is out now. Yay! And I love that. Out of we have all these books printed, and then you picked for the showcase book the one that is not bound. This okay. I happen to be very attached to this specific book. <laughs> Because this is the very first mm-hmm. time that we ever saw it in book format. Right. So this is the like the manuscript. This is where you get to edit it. Mm-hmm. This is a well loved book. This is a very important piece of my like history as a podcaster. Oh yeah. So just, just know that anybody watching, you'll get a nicer book than that one. Well, it still looks like this. And look at mm-hmm. look at the camera. Look at the camera. Mm-hmm. On camera, it looks better. Exactly. I, I noticed a little like non non the non. If you wouldn't have said binding. anything, nobody would have noticed. Oh, they would have done nothing but just a wall of emails. How do you dare you display a non-bound book? I love it. I think it's so cool. <laughs> it has like the like our project name in it. I love this book. Wow, you just burst my bubble. That really <laughs> that really threw me. He just made me very sad. <laughs> it is a very special sentimental book. It is. It is. Okay. Well. It has, has a lot of it has a lot of meaning, and it, the artwork still amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I, I was just going to talk about the book. I, I wasn't expecting... I'm very excited about the book. I wasn't expecting such uh, I just I just thought it was dismay. funny. I thought... No, no, no dismay. I just thought it was funny that like... Um, uh, the, the books aren't here. The <laughs> I know, books are at I know, home. I know. <sighs> I feel like this is payback. He could have just let <laughs> last it go. Week, last week, you cr- critiqued Dan's end of a story. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Now he's like, fuck your book. Yeah. You and your... Sp- Stupid fan stories in your <laughs> stupid book. You guys can just get out of here. Fine, fine, fine. Okay, well, if you are listening to Scared to Death, and it is July 13th or later, because our patrons mm-hmm. might have gotten it ahead of time. Look at you, Roberts and Annabelle's. Yeah, we see you. Thank you. Um, I, I don't want you to be confused. July 13th, <laughs> this book is out, so you need to run, hop, skip, jump over to the Bad Magic merch store and order Scared to Death, Volume 2. Um, as a reminder, the first 1,000 books, only the first 1,000 books will be signed by me, and I'll invite Dan to sign it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, you're going to want to pre-order it, even if you don't care about getting it signed, which is totally okay, too, because once they're gone, they're gone, and much like last year, I know this is going to happen. Where'd the books go? I didn't get one. So yeah. uh, when you get there, there are a multitude of options on how to to order the book like different cho- mm-hmm. choices so you do it out for you yeah you do what's best for you mm-hmm. all of the options are bound none of them <laughs> none of them are going to go like this when you pick them up right and um and i'm the only one who gets the special one uh they are they are so pretty uh, and it is they gonna are. be cool to see the new one that's even bigger than that one i know and uh and the artwork just the way that they do look they it, it really does stand out on a shelf I'm, I'm very proud of it that's why i wanted to show loving. this book because this is i could show mm-hmm. you this is volume one that is 390 pages worth mm-hmm. of stories and the next one is 590 pages worth of stories so many stories so like look at how thick it is now i mean that's like a good size book it's gonna be doop. i love books as things go more digital i, know, I, I love, love a tactile 
book that you can hold in your hand. Um, and I just love like thinking about like some kid or whatever, 15, 20 years from now, seeing this book on a shelf. And he's like, what's this? And like, what's look at it. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, just like all the stories in it. Mm-hmm. I know. I, I have a weird thing that I like to do with all I, – I love – um, hard copies, mm-hmm. uh, um, hardcover copies, and I love to take the jacket off because oh. I love the way the spine looks. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I do that to every hard copy book we have. Um, real quick uh, donation announcement now, and then we'll get into stories. Fine. Thanks again to our Roberts and Annabelles on Patreon for allowing us to donate over 14000 to supportsurfside.org, a hardship fund established by the Miami Heat basketball team to help those impacted by the devastating building collapse recently in Surfside, Florida. And you can find out more by going to uh, supportsurfside.org. Still don't have the exact amount of the donation due to when we recorded this episode. Fair. And now... Uh, as you set the book of stories there, what stories do you have today? I have two stories. I have a really great haunted house situation that I'm super into. Which are always my favorite. Haunted house, uh, as many stories as we've told, they still consistently, like if I had to listen to one specific trope, if you will, or whatever yeah. of horror, haunted houses. Haunted mm. house uh, horror movies tend to be my favorite. And haunted house stories tend to be my favorite horror stories. So that would not be mine. They're the most relatable to me in a, in a way with horror, where it's like uh, the, the the entities have invaded your most private space. Mm, uh, possessions mm-hmm. would would I mean? Listen, I grew up Catholic, so yeah, it yeah. makes sense. That makes sense. That, that makes sense. like really, there's something still inside of me that's like, oh god, yeah. oh repent, repent, repent. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, well, so I have a really great haunted house story, and I love that in the first few lines of the story, the author basically says, Dan, this is for you. Oh. So, super fun. Cool. L- little, I'm glad that you said you loved haunted houses. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. And then my second one is also a haunted house, but it's actually a little nice story. It's a little, it, it is spooky in the sense that like, oh, shit's probably real. Something paranormal. Yeah. yeah but, but not malevolent. But not malevolent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Those, What's like another word for malevolent? You know, malevolent, such, I mean, uh, oh man, uh, another word for malevolent, um, I mean, it's harmful, like a, like a wanting to cause harm. I know. Wanting to uh, cause mayhem. Evil. Yeah, evil. E- evil. Yeah, I terrible. Know. But malevolent has the best sound. I know, but I bore of hearing myself use the same sure. adjective over and over. Yeah, I, I no, I get it. I, I uh, work over the thesaurus pretty hard every episode. Yeah, do you like it? I, I do, but there are some words where you're like, oh, why can't there be more than two options? I know. For this word. Huh, just is what it is. Uh, okay, so you have uh, your two haunted house stories. I do. Um, I have two stories again. Uh, not sure which one's going to scare you the most. Yeah. I find the first one scary, but I feel like you might find the second one scarier. What's it about? Well, the first, before I get the first tale, is uh, told by an anonymous poster, another summoning ritual, mm. like last week, but this one revolves around a doll and not a mirror. Ooh, that's really bad for you. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, it's a summoning ritual with variations known by different names on the web, thought to have originated in Japan, most commonly called One Man Hide and Seek. Uh, and if the stories around it are true, you could end up summoning uh, something demonic, and you should never, ever play it. Okay. And the second tale, the one I think might scare you, is a very intense UFO abduction tale. No! Yeah, the Mojave Incident. What is really unfortunate about that is mm-hmm. so I'm working ahead on the 100th episode, mm-hmm. and which we're going to have a little party in here yeah, for the we're 100th make it fun. episode. We're going to make it special. People who are over here from Time Suck know that on the 100th episode, it was the drunk as fuck episode. I don't know that we're going to get like hammered, hammered, but um, Roberts and Annabelle's keep an eye out. I'll be asking for some rules of a maybe small drinking game. Yeah. Um, some libations. Libations. Um, but 
I was putting together the 100th episode story and a story that I'm pretty sure I'm going to include. I'm just waiting to hear back from the fan to make sure it's all right is this very weird UFO story. Mm. And it has been messing me up so much because it seemed so innocent. Yeah. And then when I got to the end, I was like, oh, uh. no. Mm-hmm. And it has, and, and then it has something to do with hide and seek. So like, it's, Interesting. All, it's all your stuff combined one. I feel like you're in my head. This one doesn't seem too innocent. Uh, what happened to Steve and Don Hess and then their children as well after spending October 21st, 1989 out under the bright stars in the Mojave Desert, uh, Mojave, uh, near Joshua Tree National Park is uh, terrifying. If you, it's, if you could call it the Mojav. The Mojav. The Mojav Desert. Mm-hmm. Sounds like something I do. Um, all right. Settle in fast for this first story. Get okay. spooky real quick. Okay. I'm going to get settled in. It is um, still 8 million degrees outside. So <laughs> I'll, I'm going to snuggle up for as long as I can, but I might uh, start taking layers off here. <laughs> uh, back to the realm of rituals for this one. Now, this ritual is supposed to help you contact the dead if you do it right, but maybe not. Some people in deep corners of the web have said that it actually is not designed to help you contact the dead at all. It's a trick designed to con you into conjuring a demon. Some believe that whoever anonymously anonymously posted the ritual, uh, it, the ritual's instructions, did it to please something dark that they served, or perhaps they did it while under the direct spiritual control of something they served. Time now for the tale of found you. <laughs> what if demonic possession didn't always take the shape of speaking in unknown languages, cursing at priests, sharing knowledge one shouldn't possess, or behaving like a mad raving beast? What if sometimes it was much subtler, and therefore in terms of spiritual warfare, much more effective? What if a demon could inhabit your body? Uh, if it could control your words and movements, could it not also uh, control what you type? Rather than just destroying one soul, what if it wanted to spread more horror, and it, say, posted a summoning ritual online that led to many, hundreds, maybe thousands, bringing more demonic mayhem into the world? Some of those who worry this ritual is not at all what it seems have made it their mission to get people to stop trying to conduct the ritual often referred to as one man hide and seek. But of course, not everyone listens. <laughs> there are always those who want to press their luck. The first thing you must do if you want to carry out this summoning ritual, if you do believe this is a way to contact a dead loved one and not something dark and dangerous, which again is strongly not recommended, you must offer a wandering spirit something to possess instead of a human body. A doll. It's important that the doll have limbs, the original poster stressed, and be able uh, not be too small because spirits will be suspicious of any attempt to confine them to a small, improperly shaped vessel. The more realistic and proportional the doll, the more likely the spirit will be willing to enter it. First, take the stuffing out of the doll, or if it's plastic or porcelain, find an opening and stuff the doll with rice. Then clip your nails and put the clippings inside the doll. Then sew it or tie it closed with red thread. When you finish sewing, bind the hands and feet of the doll together with the red thread. Do not forget this step. Why? The answer is unfortunately never revealed. It's just listed as crucial to your safety. Next, fill a bathtub with water. Then take a cup of salt water and place it in a hiding place. Do not tell anyone or even say out loud where the hiding place is. Now it is time for the ritual to properly begin. Give the doll a name. It could be any name at all except your own. You do not want the doll to know your name. At midnight, the following phrase will initiate the ritual. Ritual. Say the doll's name. Then, you are the first it. Then go to the bathroom. Place the doll in the bathtub. Turn off all the lights in your house. Go back to your hiding place. Count to ten with your eyes closed. Once you're done, go back to the bathroom with a knife. The doll should be there. 
If it's not, do not proceed with the rest of the ritual and leave the home immediately. Contact a priest or another skilled in the art of exorcisms. Do not re-enter your home without them. And if you still can't find the doll, you have not put your life in danger. Uh, now, excuse me, put your life in danger. And every night you stay in the house alone without the doll is a night you risk not living until the following morning. If the doll is there, you say, I have found you. Then say its name again. Stab the doll with a knife. Put it back in the bathtub. As soon as you put the doll down, go back to your hiding place. Now, according to people who have done the ritual, if you can trust them, the spirit is ready to communicate. When it starts to communicate, it might try to lure you out of your hiding place. If you have to leave for any reason, pour half the cup of salt water into your mouth. Don't drink it. Just keep it there. If you go out of the hiding place without the salt water, you might encounter something wandering around. And that something will definitely try to harm you and probably succeed. Apparently, according to the people who have done this ritual, uh, who won't speak about it in con- concrete terms, the best way to experience the presence of the something wandering around is to watch what happens to the TV. From your hiding place, this will make sense when we get into an encounter story. Uh, from your hiding place, perhaps using the TV, you can talk to the spirit you have summoned. When you're done communicating, bring your cup of salt water, go find the doll. It won't necessarily be in the bathroom. Whatever happens, don't spit out the salt water. When you find the doll, pour the rest of the salt water from the cup over the doll. Spray the water from your mouth over it. Quickly repeat, I win, I win, I win. You must say it like that three times. And then the ritual will have ended. If you don't want the ritual to return, uh, you now need to make the doll uninhabitable. You must burn the doll to ashes, then bury the ashes outside your home. A couple final rules I forgot to make clear. Do not stop the ritual halfway through, ever. Do not leave the house until the ritual has been completed. And again, just don't play this game. According to one poster, a kid named Carson played, and he's never been the same since. His friend took the gist of what he was able to say after the ritual jumbled as it was, and then brought it to a group in their city that specialized in witchcraft. They determined that Carson had performed this particular summoning ritual, and that whatever he had contacted seemed to have broken him. The following has been adapted from Carson's cautionary tale. In the middle of the summer, a long, hot, aimless summer that felt like every day dragged on more than the last. Most of Carson's friends had gotten out of town, off to their family's lake houses and camping trips. But Carson, who was 17 and not lucky enough to be born into affluence and privilege, had taken a bunch of odd jobs at the beginning of the summer, hoping he could afford to buy himself a used car by the end of it. It didn't have to be pretty and probably wouldn't be. He just wanted something his dad called an AB mobile, something that consistently made it from point A to point B. His summer days were spent walking dogs, cleaning out pool filters, mowing lawns, going by houses to collect mail and water plants, and really do anything else that anyone would hire him to do. He didn't get the full-time job he'd hoped for, but he guessed what he had was better than nothing. There wasn't more than a few hours of work each day, just enough to keep him from doing anything out of town because he had too many day-to-day responsibilities. It was frustrating, it was frustrating, but it did keep him from spending money. And there were a few bright spots. For one thing, one of Carson's rich neighbors had hired him to house-sit while his family was on vacation, and the rich neighbor had just about everything a person could want during the summer. A big pool, a flat-screen TV in a darkened den, and a great sound system. So when Carson finished his other jobs, he usually capped off the day by relaxing by the pool with a couple of books or magazines listening to his favorite music. Life could be a lot worse. Sadly, he would quickly come to find out just how much worse it could get. By the time it was creeping from June into July, Carson's boredom became less easily cured by a couple of magazines or watching the same reality shows he'd been watching all summer. One hot afternoon, he decided to ditch the magazines he'd brought and go looking for something else to read. 
The house had a huge library. Maybe there were some thrillers that he could get absorbed into for an afternoon. The library, however, once he started poking around, didn't seem like the kind of place that would house a bunch of paperbacks. It was a huge, old-fashioned library with leather-bound books on dark wood shelves and a ladder that slid on a metal track so you could reach the higher shelves, kind of like the one from Beauty and the Beast. Carson started with the lower shelves. No dice, no Grisham or Ruth Ware to be found. What he found was mostly old-fashioned literature, some of it written in languages that Carson certainly didn't speak and barely recognized. Guess that was what rich people did with their free time, Carson thought, shrugging. Uh, filled their shelves with old books and uh, that looked expensive and rare and interesting. Made them seem more cultured or sophisticated or something. Or at least he thought these rich, the, these rich people did that. Moving on to the top shelves now, he wheeled the ladder around and searched for something that comparatively would be a lot lighter read than all of this. He worked his way around the room, peering at more and more old books, opening a couple, coughing when a cloud of dust came out of them, or grimacing when some gave that weird smell oddly specific to old books. No thrillers. Not a one. Nothing he could read next to the pillow before falling asleep. Before he knew it, he'd made almost an entire circuit of the room, save for one dusty shelf towards the back that looked like it hadn't been touched in years. There was just one book on it, and it wasn't like the others. Instead of an old leather-bound volume, it looked like something a kid had made at school, a couple pages and a laminated cover. Was it something one of the family's kids had made, he wondered? If so, why keep it on a top shelf in this massive library? He could barely reach it, even standing on the ladder. Reaching forward, he almost lost his balance, and after one heart-stopping moment, started to laugh. What a surprise that would be for the family if they got back and he was dead on their library floor with a broken neck, lying under their kid's fourth-grade book report folder. Okay, maybe it wasn't that funny. Carson took off, shook off the thought and reached for the book again. This time his fingers grabbed an edge and he pulled it down, stumbling the last few steps off the ladder. The cover was blank. And even though it was professionally laminated, he saw that the writing wasn't printed. It was handwritten. He struggled to make out the letters. The summoning ritual, he said out loud, squinting. Weird, he thought. Definitely weird. Once again, he wondered if this was something that the kids had done for a school assignment or maybe for fun, perhaps a prop from a school play. It didn't look a lot like child's handwriting, though, but maybe rich kids wrote differently. Who the hell knows what kind of lessons are taught at fancy schools where they all wear a uniform, thought Carson. Certainly not me. Carson now noticed he was getting a little chilly in the library despite the heat. Must be the AC, he thought. He took the book back to the living room, started reading. If anything, maybe it'd make a weird story for him to tell his friends later when they got back from their summer vacations. The summoning ritual did not take long to read, and it was the only story in the book. Not much of a story either. Just weird. Kind of stupid instructions, actually. He was not impressed. Whatever he thought, he hadn't expected much anyway. Besides, he had a job to do, so he put the book out of his mind, at least he thought he did, and he went about his daily house-sitting tasks, watering the plants, dusting, and then as he did, something kept nagging at him in the corner of his brain, like the, there was a little physical tug back where he'd left the book in the living room. He started to think, what the hell? What if I tried it? Oh, no. I mean, he was bored. That's why he tried to find the book to read in the first place. He felt like his brain was physically going to melt if he didn't have just a little bit of excitement. So he went back to the living room and opened the book again. It was easy to follow all the steps. The family's daughter had a bunch of toys from her childhood in the attic, and it was easy to find a doll that worked. And a beat-up one that was old, but not like the oldest doll, the one that probably had the most sentimental value. He highly doubted it would ever be missed. He couldn't find any red thread and just decided to skip that part. Uh-oh. And then he waited until midnight. After thinking about it, he chose the name Sabrina. You know, like Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Why not? Cracked him up. Sabrina, you're the first it, he said out loud in the empty bathroom, and then he placed the doll face up in the tub. Its empty eyes stared at the ceiling and Carson backed out of the room. He felt excited. 
little bit scared in a good way. He was just doing it to ward off boredom, but now he started to think, what if it actually worked? He figured it was probably just his imagination, but he did feel like there was something different about the energy in the house now. While it usually felt kind of dead, inanimate, like most buildings, now he felt like, I don't know, maybe something was happening? Seemed like he could hear sounds in other rooms more clearly, that the air that had once been humid and still now felt crisp and active like a storm was coming. Was there a bit of a breeze? Impossible, he knew, since he was definitely inside with the door shut, but he felt it all the same. He chose a guest bedroom down the hall from the kitchen for his hiding place, in something the owner referred to as the east wing of the house. <laughs> How weird to live in a house with wings. Felt so pretentious. Whatever. Maybe if he had a house wing someday, he'd have a, you know, a, a house this big. Or if he had house wing money someday, he'd have a house this big built as well. He went to hide, counted to ten, and then he crept back to find the doll in the bathroom. There it was. Right where he'd left it. He should have known he was getting himself worked up for nothing. But wait. It was floating face down. That was weird. He, he was positive he left it face up. How did it turn itself around? He grabbed the doll now. Was he a little bit scared as he did? He flashed on the thing coming to life like a monster, like Chucky from Child's Play and trying to tear him apart. He said, I have found you, Sabrina. Then he stabbed it, which felt both extremely silly and very violent. And he went back to the hiding spot bedroom and waited and waited and waited. He finally called out, hello, Sabrina, ready to talk? Nothing. Maybe she didn't want to talk to him. Nothing was happening. Then he remembered the TV. Hadn't the rules said something vague about the TV? Luckily, there was one in the bedroom. He turned it on to static. So weird. It had been so long since he'd seen a TV turn on to static. He was shocked it wasn't a smart TV. It wasn't like they didn't have the money. Then it started cutting back and forth between channels fast enough that sentences began to form from snippets of the on-screen words of various programs. Programs he didn't recognize. I... Will find you. He held his breath. Oh my god. Holy shit, what the fuck was going on? He wanted to laugh, cry, scream all at the same time. This was so stupid, it couldn't be happening. But it was happening. He suddenly wanted to go home, take a shower, see if there's any pizza left over from a few nights ago. Fuck this. He pressed the off button on off button on the remote. But the TV didn't turn off. The programs continued to switch. Where are you? Are you? In here. Oh my god. Then, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. The doorbell was ringing over and over again. He wanted to believe he ordered pizza and had forgotten about it, or that the owner was home early. But that wasn't it. And that wouldn't explain the TV, would it? Nope, it sure wouldn't. He thought about the rules now. He wasn't supposed to leave the hiding spot. Maybe the doorbell was supposed to lure him out, which meant that this ritual was actually working. Or was someone really there? Carson didn't like any of this. He didn't want to play this game anymore. He noticed he was trembling and tried to laugh. This was so stupid, right? He was being so ridiculous, right? But the TV, how could he explain the TV? Then, on the other side of the room, the doorknob started turning. Horrified, he watched as it slid a little bit in one direction, then a little bit in the other. So deliberate. But like whatever it was, didn't have a good enough grip to fully turn the doorknob. Then, not long after it started, it stopped. Had he really just seen this or imagined the whole thing? If someone had just quietly approached the door, he hadn't heard the muffled sound of their footsteps. Wouldn't he hear, wouldn't he hear that? Eerily, now he didn't hear anything, not even the normal sounds of the house. Behind him, the TV abruptly now turned off, and he was in total darkness. 
As he tried to think quickly about what to do, he remembered the cup of salt water. He could go anywhere if he had the salt water right. The ritual had said it would protect him. Trying to ignore the feeling of his heart hammering in his chest, he took a mouthful of salt water and opened the door. He passed the bathroom, and overcome with curiosity, he looked inside. The doll was gone. Shit. Now he really wished he would have bound its hands and feet. The water in the tub also looked a little foamy. He didn't know what it was. It wasn't soap, but there was a murky quality to the water. He looked at it puzzled before he was interrupted again. Ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. Okay, Carson thought maybe it really was someone at the door. A neighbor or someone having an emergency. Still with the salt water in his mouth, he crept to the door, grabbing a knife from the kitchen on his way. He hid it behind his back, went to the front door. Through the smoked glass transom, he saw a few shadowy figures, human-shaped. Maybe it was the police. Maybe there was some accident nearby. He opened the door, and there was no one. Not even the house's automatic lights were on, like normally, after dark. His mouth opened involuntarily in shock and the salt water trickled out, splashing on the floor. Fuck, fuck. There wasn't anything protecting him now. This isn't real. This isn't real. Full on panicking now, he scrambled back to his hiding spot, skidding in his socked feet around the corners. His grip around the knife tightened. He's breathing hard. The door shut behind him. He took a deep breath and looked around. The TV was on again. He watched transfixed as it flickered between channels the way it had earlier. This time, he caught just two words. Found you. When he turned around, the doll was in the doorway now, staring up at him with his blank, terrifying eyes. The floor-length mirror behind the door should have shown the back of the doll, but instead it showed the doll facing forward. And the doll's faces, the one in front of him, the one in the mirror, were different. Both perfectly identical, except for the opposing expressions. One face, the reflected one, a face of menace. The other face frowned. It looked like the doll didn't particularly enjoy what it was about to do. Fuck this, Carson thought. Salt water dripping down his chin, he crept up onto the doll, raised the knife in his other hand. This needed to be over. It needed to end. He swung the knife down and felt a burst of pain. When he opened his eyes to his horror, the doll wasn't anywhere to be seen. And the knife was sticking out of his hand where the doll had been. (sighs) That was how his parents found him the next day, babbling nonsensically about a doll while he clutched his still bleeding hand. They looked all over, but there was no doll in the house. The house's owner claimed to have looked as well and not found anything. But would he say if he did? He is the one who owns the book. Somehow Carson's hand became badly infected and ended up having to be amputated about a week later. Never easy dealing with such a traumatic surgery, but even Carson's doctors seemed to think that Carson handled it particularly badly. For one thing, he was always complaining about something grabbing his phantom hand, trying to pull him away. When they asked what it was, the only thing he would say was, it, it wants me to think it's Sabrina. It's, it's not. It was never Sabrina. It was decided that Carson should spend some time in a psychiatric hospital recovering from the trauma, but even after the doctors tried to get him on stabilizing meds, he wouldn't stop talking about Sabrina and the touches he still felt on his missing hand. And that's where Carson remains, at least of the poster putting the story on the web about two years ago. Still talking about the doll's touches, still worried that Sabrina was out there somewhere, and that someday she would grab him again and take more than his hand. Whoa. That was crazy. Crazy. That was fucking scary. I, I, I like it was just different. Yeah. That, I mean, that is really good. I I, uh, I haven't seen, like, too many. It's interesting that, like, it, it kind of surprised me, like, when I found it where... There's so many summoning rituals out there, you know, where it's like kind of seance stuff. Yeah. But I was like, oh, I'm surprised that I, I, at least maybe there's a bunch more out there that I'm aware of. But I was surprised that I hadn't found more that involved, not like a voodoo doll. Oh, yeah. But just. But like a doll to inhabit whatever you're trying to get in there. Right, 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 right. Spooky twist. 
It was really good. There was what a the- lot of things on the web about this summoning ritual. I was really? surprised too. Yeah, what it, like what? It is kind of like I will admit it's kind of like you know creepy pasta, but you know, but not necessarily at at the creepy pasta website. Uh-huh. It's just like it started in Japan on these uh, like ghost some kind of ghost forum site over there, and then just spread more and more people reporting the encounters. Uh, yeah, and again, like are some of them made up? Yeah, probably, but like. Oh, fuck, one of these is not? Right, right, right. Oh, that is a new kind of thing to be afraid of. That's like a child's play. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Except, for, except for intentional. Except for it's like that was some weird, you know, from the movie. Yeah. A weird thing where it's like the guy does some voodoo stuff to try and get his, before he dies, his spirit into this doll. But like, I'm going to do this, that. <laughs> get your spirit into a doll? Mm-hmm. That'd be so weird. And then you're going to snuggle me every night. Yeek. That'd be nice. That made me think of what you just said. Oh, my God. That made me think of that Russian guy we talked about several weeks ago that went oh. to the graveyard and was digging up bodies. What was his and, name? Alex uh, or something? I can't remember. It won't come. I don't think it'll come to me. But but he was like, you know, putting their mummified remains mm-hmm. and taking them and building them into dolls was, and then, and then had, had those in his bed. What was the Spanish? No, Mexico? Mexican? The, the, no, maybe it was Japanese. Oh, God, there were, like, people who, like, with their loved ones, and they would mummify them, but, like, put, like, makeup on their faces, and they would, it, it was one story, it was, like, one guy mm. or one woman, and it was, like, in bed with them for so long. Oh, uh, that might have been... No, that was different than the story about the guy who was digging up the corpses. Yeah, yeah, that's a yeah. That guy. was that was there was a few people from around the world, but the the it was like South America and I want to say maybe Germany too. But there was a couple examples. Yeah. Oh, but the main guy was in Southeast Asia. Okay. And then gosh. I referenced a few ones at the end. But yes, that was when he went. He started mm-hmm. falling asleep on it over his wife's gravesite yep. at the cemetery. They're like, you can't be in the cemetery. Yes. So he dug the body up, mummified her, and then finally they gave up trying <sighs> to get him to release the body. And I want to say like for years. Sleeping with her rotting remains. Anatoly Moskvin. Yeah. Oh, that was the doll guy. That's the guy yeah. who's digging up the graves yeah. in uh, God, Russia, that right? That story was creepy. Oh. That was creepy. He's in prison right now. But, and, then, and then there was that other one with like, uh, I think this was in Mexico, the, um, the mannequin. With the human oh, skin. Oh, you're right. Uh, yeah, I think some. I want to say somewhere in maybe southern Mexico. Yeah, La, small town. Something with a P. Mm-hmm. It was the um, the the bridal Pes- shops owner's daughter. I know, but Pascuela, pa, mm. Pascualita. I think that's it. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I maybe. Maybe. But I remember it was like this guy ran like a bridal shop. Yeah. His daughter's gonna have the big wedding. Yep. Yep. Dies of that of like something weird too. I want to say like a spider bite. Ah, uh, that part I don't remember. Yeah. I do love, and we'll get to the pictures in just a second, but I do love that now that we've been doing this for so long, mm-hmm. we can make these correlations. I mean, I'm always so worried I, can't, I won't be able to remember when you bring things, oh. but I'm surprised that I like, they do kind of stick in your head. I, I can and I can't, and that's okay. Yeah. I, mean, I get emails like, hey, I'm looking for this episode. Ugh. And I mean, I try so hard. We we just had that one I was <laughs> yep, asking you. Yep. Like, we like, just couldn't know. find it. Somebody was looking for an episode that, anyways, but it's like, some I just I just can't. It's too many stories Even with now. like a word, you know, a command F yeah. word search, oh, it yeah. just doesn't. It's not exactly correct. Between this and Time Suck, I just gave up at some point where people are yeah. like, hey, what episode did you talk about? I'm like, no idea. fuck if I know. Yeah. It's talked about so many things over the last four years, five well, like, years. We, we number the episodes, mm-hmm. but it doesn't show up like that on every player. So then I'm like, you know, yeah. it was in episode four and they're like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. And the, and the names of the episodes don't necessarily kind of like with, is we dumb? We have this too. They're, like the names, of the episodes don't, they do, cor- excuse me, they do correspond to the episode, but it's not like time suck, for example, where it's like, this episode is about this serial killer. This so is about Theodore Roosevelt. Right. So yeah. people can ask like, did you talk about so-and-so? 
easy search. Right. But it's like our episodes are something creepy, and it's like, well, uh, you know, it, it lives. Uh, I don't. I don't remember the details. You know, know what exactly lives? So many <laughs> right, things. Right, li- right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you have pictures? I do. Okay, great. This first one is a screen grab from a YouTube video about a oh. similar summoning ritual involving bringing a spirit. Uh, to yeah, into a doll. This combination alone makes me uncomfortable. First, is that an Elsa doll? That looks like mm, a I don't know a Let It Go doll. And then the Ouija board and the candle, just that combo All alone, together. doll, Ouija board, candle. Nothing good comes from that. Uh, this this pick came up googling for one man hide and seek. Uh, there are a fair amount of these out there. I mean, just see the red string. It's all bound up. I have up. so many questions. And yeah. is, I'm sorry, is this a, what culture does this ritual come from? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. I did not write it down because the story did not come from Japan, but I think this originated in chat rooms in Japan. Okay. If we have any Japanese listeners who know about this, I have a lot of questions. Like, why bound the hands and the feet? Is it so that the baby doll can't get out of the bathtub and come find you what's with mm. the salt water in your mouth what happened like I, I just salt yeah and, and i don't know that i mean the, some of those answers might be out there somewhere i don't know i'm that, not googling it i don't know that all the answers are there uh and then and then this next one is someone's drawing of one man hide and seek and there's and you know and like with this uh you can see the guy like close. yeah i know that's yeah. really good I was, I was catching all the detail all of the details yeah, and a lot of these, like, um, when, it, when it goes into that space of, you know, of lore, mm-hmm. it starts to just quickly spiral out into so many variations where I'm sure there's going to be some people who listen to it. It's like, actually, the ritual goes like right, this. Right, right, right. Well, there'll be many people who do that, and odds are they will all have different things in their mind because, mm-hmm. you know, on different, like, chat rooms and different sites, it just has continued to kind of, like, spiral around. Is it kind of like how your family doesn't play rummy correctly, but my family does? <laughs> that is, yeah, it is funny, like, like something like that, exactly. Like, you know, there's there's rummy, but then there's all these family rules, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know. And, well, mm-hmm. your family. I don't know. I don't know. Dan's family plays five-card rummy, which I didn't know was a thing because I was taught to play seven-card rummy. And uh, I feel like your family's rules are more lenient. My family is a little mm. bit more cutthroat. They're like, no, you can't do that. There's there's more, uh, we're, a, we're a, a rougher bunch. You, yeah. you guys are a bit more laid back. Mm-hmm. With board games, I know you, you get... You get way more invested in mm-hmm. in those games than I do. Yeah. So like I'm just like games. I'm just like I don't care what the rules are. Just whatever. I know I care. you care a lot. I care very much. You and Kyler are so funny. We just had a nerf. We had another I was nerf just battle. Thinking about that. Oh my god. It was every so single funny. time we've had a family nerf. We got these, and it's so fun. We get these nerf guns, and we have all these little like the, the little round nerf bullets, and we yeah. just do a thing where it's it like is, it is super fun, super fun. If like if you can, mm-hmm. you know, fun family game. Yeah, and it's like nerf guns. You can actually buy cheap ones now, like twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. Like they're they used and to hold be. a lot of little those balls. Yeah, and now there's like knockoffs yeah. that work just as well. So you're not spending yep. $150 on stupid bullets that you're going to lose in your house. And they hit just hard enough that you can feel it happen. Mm-hmm. And it's an honor system. Oh, yeah, where I it's got like, nailed in the face. Oh, yeah, a little red mark on your face for a second. Mm-hmm. It, it's this thing of, uh, you know, you just call out, okay, I got hit. Mm-hmm. That's, and, and the number. So like we do like three hits, you're out. Mm-hmm. And then this last person standing. And every single game will devolve into some argument between Kyler and Lindsay every single time. And Ro and I just sitting around being like, fucking whatever. And I'm then, still mad about it. Mm-hmm, and then Kyler and Lindsay be like, I, no, I, I, you know that I shot you. You, I know you You had to have felt it. I didn't feel it. I didn't feel it. You had to have felt it. Kyler, Kyler though, was pretty funny this time when we played. He was like, <laughs> I, uh, 
I, I won't play the version where I never get hit because for a while he was getting hit. We were all watching yeah. it happen. He was like, it was ridiculous. Didn't happen. No, I didn't. I, I didn't feel it. Was being such a, and he would wear like a big bulky sweatshirt so that he couldn't mm-hmm. feel it. Little sneaker. Uh, this time he he cursed at me. It was oh yeah. That's was, right. There was a misunderstanding talk. about rules and it was pretty funny. Like he just he, didn't he yell fuck you. Yeah, he did. <laughs> um, and like. We were about this far from each other when he yelled it like at me because the rule in our house so worked up. Well, and the rule in our house about swearing is that you can swear about, but you cannot swear at. So the children and us, we I like I can't be like, fuck you, Kyler. Like we we do not talk to to each other that way. It's it's not okay. Um, We we see curse words more as adjectives. And (laughs) Kyler got so mad because there was a discrepancy in the rules that he himself chose not to clarify before we Uh started another round. And so I didn't know what he was so bent out of shape about. And he didn't like that after he got hit, I chased him and was standing by to hit him. He didn't have time to load his bullets, whatever. And he just was so angry in the moment Mm. and he couldn't come up with anything else to say. I mean, he used it correctly. Yeah. Oh, He he hates to lose. He hates to lose. And he hates to lose to me. And when you you guys are yelling back and forth, I I always now, I just look at Monroe and her and I just like do little head shakes. Oh, God. Here we go. It's pretty funny how we each have that because... Like, there are things that you do with sure. Kyler, and Monroe and I are like, oh, oh my sure. God. Like, oh, sure. And then the kids do it about us. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Humans. <laughs> also, I just wanted to say, I wrote down a note. I yeah. wrote two things. I loved that at the beginning, it's like all these rules for this ritual, followed by, just don't do it. Well, that, that was my ad. That was my ad. Oh, I was like, well, that was fucking stupid. No, here, no, no, the, sorry. I, I didn't maybe tonally make that clearer, but that was like, here's all the rules, and then like, yeah, but just don't play it. Okay, but just don't. But just don't. Exactly. To quote is we don't. <laughs> and also, I love Ruth Ware. If anybody's looking for any good um, books, she's an excellent author. Oh. Hmm. I'm not familiar with her work. I I cannot, off the top of my head, recall which titles are hers. I want to say The Girl on the Train might huh. be. No, that's Gillian Flynn. Doesn't matter. Just great writer. Great writer. I've read several of her books, and they have spooped me spooped. out. Spooped. Uh, not what not sure which mirror moment was creepier, the, the one from that story or the one from last week's Monster in the Mirror story. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're getting away from mirrors now. Shift uh, from a ritual to a possible alien abduction. Oh, boy. Ready to think about what might be up above us, above us in the skies right now? Do you think that, like, protection spray will help? Probably not. Okay. Doing it anyways. Before we head to Mojave, time for a in-between story sponsor break. Thanks for supporting our sponsors, Creeps and Peepers. Uh, been a second since we dipped into some creepy ufology. Oh, God. I don't know what to use to protect myself right now. I'm freaking out already. <laughs> I was completely unfamiliar with this story until Sarah Finch uh, asked about researching it. I uh, really don't think you're going to like how this one makes you feel, Lindsay. Okay. I'm just getting some crystals. Okay. I'll, I'll, there's a little bit of settling time. Oh, uh, yeah. Let- it's okay. I'm just going to get all the things. I know that... Um, Crystals maybe don't work against aliens, but I am not happy right now. They don't work against anything. Let's travel to the desert. Yes, they do. Nearly 50,000 square miles of cactus, sand, rock, sagebrush, very little else. Mojave Desert sprawls largely lifeless across southeast California and southern Nevada. Known primarily for its Joshua trees and singing sand dunes. It's a beautiful and exotic landscape that attracts a lot of tourists who want to camp out and disconnect. But disconnect somewhere not too far from the extreme connectedness of Los Angeles or Las Vegas. It also attracts a lot of another kind of tourist, ufologists, those who come to watch the clear, big night skies for unidentified flying objects. Alleged alien contactee George Van Tassel was the first to really put Mojave on the ufology map, a man who some have called the first hippie. He walked away from Southern California's booming aerospace industry in 1947, not long after Kenneth Arnold's infamous UFO sighting near Mount Rainier and the even more famous Roswell incident that shortly followed. 
The two sightings collectively, with other lesser-known sightings in the summer of 47, kicked off the modern the roots of their, our modern UFO lore. He was Hughes Aircraft's top flight inspector, and then searching signs of alien life and answers for higher truths, uh, he ended up moving his family out to the desert. In 1959, he completed construction on what he called the Integratron, Integratron a 38-foot-tall, I'll have a picture later, it's so weird, 38-foot-tall, 55-foot uh, diameter dome-like structure in the unincorporated community of Landers, California, hmm. just about two miles from Joshua Tree National Park. The Integratron was supposedly built based on instructions from visitors from Venus who gave Van Tassel the blueprints. He claimed the in, in integration center is capable of rejuvenation, anti-gravity, and time travel. Not sure about all that, but it definitely is an interesting place. On the National Register of Historic Places, it's been used in recent years as a visitor center, a recording studio. Cool. Mm-hmm. Some pretty big bands have uh, recorded some tracks there. And the uh, uh, Integratron's new owners now operate it as a tourist attraction that offers sound baths, where groups of people are exposed to harmonic sound frequencies produced by quartz bowls. So you'd love it. Claim to have a deep calming and healing effect. I mean, do you want me to talk about? <laughs> no, it's okay. Okay. <laughs> I bring all this up to paint a picture of how immersed in ufology lore the Mojave Desert is. It shows up in a lot of top 10 best places in the U.S. to see a UFO lists. Van Tassel, author of a book called I Rode in a Flying Saucer, <laughs> is one of many who have claimed over the years to have made contact with aliens around Mojave. The desert is also known for lots of mysterious disappearances. At least as recently as 2019, a woman disappeared. Steve and Don Hess, whose encounter and abduction story took place 20 years earlier, wonder if the same visitors they met took her. They feel lucky they didn't also disappear on the most memorable day of their lives and some of the days that followed. Time now for the tale of the Mojave incident, or I'm sorry, encounter. Called, is it now? I'm questioning myself. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I referred it. Oh, that's so weird. I've done that so many times. I, uh. Reddit encounter every single time, mm-hmm. and then in my brain I was like, "No, it's incident. You're wrong. <laughs> you're you're wrong." I'll, I'll redo it. If you if you had a quartz bowl, it would guide you to do that correctly. Okay, all right. Maybe I'll think about it. Okay. Definitely time now for the tale of the Mojave encounter. On the 21st of October, 1989, young parents Steve and Don Hess packed up their camper and packed their two children off to Steve's parents, and then set off for a well-deserved long weekend away in the Mojave Desert. Taking camping trips on the Mojave Reserve was something Steve had enjoyed since being a kid. He loved the peace and tranquility of the desert. And once when he was very young, even thought he saw a UFO out by Lake Mojave. He hadn't seen one since, but he often dreamt about how amazing that would be. Dawn was not nearly as excited for a trip out into the desert as Steve was. She was nervous about being away in such a remote location where very few people could find them if they should need help, especially back in the days before cell phones. But she did need a break from the children and the house... And she knew it would make Steve so happy, so she agreed to go and decided to try and make the best of it. Once they finally arrived at the Mid-Hills campground, they were slightly disappointed to find it completely full. Mm. Don had worried about that. She thought they should have reserved a spot, but Steve was confident it wouldn't fill up. Mm-hmm. Not the best start to their weekend. Luckily, Steve knew the area well and drove a little further into the desert and found a lovely little isolated spot off the beaten path that they were both happy with to park up and get settled for the weekend. Things were looking back up. As the couple were having a short walk uh, around, surveying the area and getting their bearings a little after setting up camp, they were shocked when the now dark desert was flooded with light from overhead. Looking up, they both saw several bright white lights that gradually made an M formation. Then small red lights started to descend from the white ones. The couple were dumbfounded, the couple were dumbfounded, completely rooted to the spot where they stood frozen in place. 
Steve said something quietly about a military exercise. Neither bought into this theory for more than maybe a split second. The craft, emitting the white lights above them, suddenly sped up, advancing towards them rapidly. And then the red lights started to descend further as they came closer. They could see that the red lights were not lights of some spacecraft. They were eyes. Red glowing eyes on the faces of tiny, almost elf-like creatures. Oh my god. Right, obviously not human, but humanoid, large heads, ears, blinding red eyes. These eyes remained fixed on Steve and Don as the creatures grew closer still, falling from the sky. There was no visible spacecraft now behind them. Suddenly, instinct kicked in and Steve went to grab a hunting rifle he brought for protection. Then he heard a powerful voice ring through his mind like a telepathic message, Do not resist. Guns are no use here. What? Taking his wife by the arm, they now ran to the camper. Making their way inside, they saw they were surrounded by these creatures, too many to count. Huddled together, they suddenly heard an almost deafening hydraulic hum accompanied by a blinding flash of white light outside the camper. There were more creatures now, different ones, taller, thinner, still humanoid, oval-shaped heads, huge black eyes. Suddenly, the camper they were in started shaking. They noticed a strange, cloudy mist seeping in through the bottom of the door and the tops of the windows. And then, in what seemed like a split second later... It was morning. Steve and Don, now lying in their camper bed, looking at each other and quickly confirming that their experience had actually happened. Both seemed to be unharmed, although Don had two red dots on her neck, like puncture wounds, almost like what would one expect a a vampire bite to look like. Both obviously shaken up, they quickly broke down camp, got back on the road home, stopping only to ask a passing pair of campers near their site if they'd seen anything unusual the previous night, and they had not. Once home, Steve and Don tried to put the experience behind them, but that was easier said than done with what they were still seeing. The couple claims that after the encounter, paranormal activity started to plague their home. Objects began disappearing and reappearing. They started hearing strange noises. They said it all felt a lot like what they'd heard and read regarding traditional poltergeist activity, and that usually the activity was accompanied by white lights, either sweeping the house or flashing. They worried that the beings they'd met in Mojave were far from done with them. They wondered if at night, while they slept, the beings continued to do something to them. They were certain something had been done to them in the desert. They were now living in constant fear, fear of the unknown, about the most unknown one can get. Who were these beings? What did they want with them? Why wouldn't they leave them alone? And then one night, their son Stephen woke up crying. And And when Don went in to check on him, he pleaded with her through his tears, Don't let the little guys with the red eyes get me. Steve and Don were shocked, more scared than ever. They'd never talked about what they'd seen to their children, not wanting to scare them. They needed to get some help, but who could help them? One of Steve's close friends put him in touch with Ron Silver, an author who at the time was working on a book on post-traumatic stress. Understandably, Ron found their story completely unbelievable. He also felt bad for the couple. In an attempt to help them, he put them in touch with Dr. Annixter, a specialist in regression hypnosis believing maybe if they could remember what had happened during the time between the camper being surrounded and waking up, they could perhaps better understand and come to terms with the experience. Steve and Don were hypnotized separately. And while, yes, regression therapy using hypnosis has been proven unreliable time and time again, both of their recollections during the hypnosis sessions, separate sessions, eerily similar, very unusual. Could their story actually be true? It's especially interesting to think about right now in light of more and more reported sightings examined over the past two decades, recently declassified, that the U.S. military and intelligence community has no explanation for. Both Steve and Don described moving through a tunnel lit with a bright white light. They both spoke of hovering through the tunnel, upright and floating, their feet not actually touching the bottom of the tunnel. They traveled through the tunnel separately, but both knew they were not alone. Both described being put onto operating tables and being forced to endure painful experiments. 
Don recalled being drugged by a strange device explaining the puncture wounds and a strange feeling that something had entered her. Ooh. Dr. Annixter, just, uh, despite how outrageous, out, despite how outrageous these recovered suppressed memories were, was convinced this was not a hoax. He walked away from this experience, finding the Hesses cooperative and honest. He found it highly unlikely that both would describe the same experience separately without being fed leading questions while under hypnosis. The main deviation between their stories was a secret, Don told him, that she initially kept from Stephen. A few weeks after the first night she was abducted, she realized she was pregnant. <gasps> the timing of the conception pointed to Stephen Don's night in the desert. The following summer, Don gave birth to a healthy, seemingly completely human baby girl. Was her conception natural, though, or part of some experiment? And if, and I know this is crazy, if she is the product of some sort of extraterrestrial breeding program, how many others could be part of the same or similar experiments? What unfathomable secrets may someday be revealed? Oh my God, are you an alien baby? Is that why your head is so big? <laughs> nice. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe I am. Oh man, that's where all your brains come from. <laughs> oh geez, I don't know about that. Uh, a few pictures, do you want to do those first or, or after the questions? Oh, I'm still absorbing the story, so okay. we can do pictures first and we can talk. This first one, it is such a weird structure. This is that George Van Tassel's Integratron. That is awesome. That's <laughs> just, yeah, out by Joshua well, That uh, is Joshua not weird. Park. That's awesome. Can we go record a podcast there? I think you can rent it out currently. Dude. <laughs> it, that would be cool. That'd be awesome. That'd be really cool. Um, okay, guys, I, how many people can it hold? Uh, I don't know that capacity. I mean, oh, man. I, well, 55 feet diameter. I mean, it's, but I don't know how many seats they set up in there. I'm going to look into it. I'm going to look into it. I don't know if they've done shows, but I know they I have done several tracks. If you look on online, if you just go to actually the Integraton it has its own Wikipedia page. Yeah. I want to say, oh man, there's a British band. That was uh, the biggest band that I can think of. Not Snow Patrol, but kind of a, a similar band. Ah, oh, well, I won't come to me. Hmm. But anyway, there's been uh, uh, no full albums that I'm aware of, but a lot of bands re- recorded tracks there. I immediately assumed that like maybe Radiohead recorded there. Nah, not that or, big. Or um, um, Coldplay. Both of those you know felt what? like options to me. <sighs> I want to say part of a Coldplay track. Part of one might have been recorded there. I'm a genius. Yeah, there was. I feel like there was some reference there. You know why I know that? Why? I'm an alien baby. You an alien baby? I, I was born with a, like some issues, so. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, but yeah, they didn't think you were going to have part of your head. I know. It is so crazy. They thought my, 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 um, this thing. Mm-hmm. Your skull? Skull <laughs> bone? Uh-huh. That it was going to be <laughs> concave, that like my brain wouldn't be protected and that I would have just died Eey. upon birth. Or soon thereafter. Crazy, right? That's crazy. I know childbirth is so fucking weird. Mm-hmm. I was just talking to somebody about this day. Like, it is still so dangerous. You cannot believe the number of women still dying in first world countries while giving birth. You just made so many people nervous. No, they know. If you're oh, having a baby, you, you know. know. You know. You're yeah. nervous. You're scared. Yeah. You know what the risks are. Uh, another picture of, uh, I, I think these are so pretty, some of Mojave's uh, Joshua trees. Just a cool looking tree, especially yeah. at night. This next picture is amazing. This okay. is Mojave Desert at night, and it is just such a cool picture. Oh, that doesn't look real. I mean, I'm sure they did some stuff with their focus or with their, um, oh my gosh. Time lapse. Time lapse. That's what it is. Time and then, lapse. And then I was thinking, what is it, Joe? You know exposure? all these terms. Exp- not exposure, but it's, not, it's like when you let in more light or less light. Yeah, your f stop. Yeah, you're, you you leave the shutter open. Okay. Yeah. Okay. To that, get, that's to the get exposure, right? Yeah. yeah exposure. Oh, okay. Aperture. Aperture. Okay. F stop is like what it, the technical yeah. term for the thing that is doing the 
the clicking. Let me ask Joe. My wife couldn't know. No. <laughs> she never, She's an alien baby. She, she knows, never took she any photography classes. You took a photography class? Yeah. Oh, a long time ago at the art. Uh, yeah. At, uh, in Cleveland. Oh, no, in oh, Cleveland. Cleveland. Even further back. Oh, that's right. You did tell me that. Okay. Mm-hmm. But anyway, beautiful picture. And in high school. But it's oh. okay. <laughs> that's cool. And then this last one, a collection of images of supposed UFOs seen in the night sky of the Mojave Desert. Uh, I mean, but I will say. The one on the far left is like mostly what I would if someone was like, of these four images, which of them could be sure. a UFO? And you know what? And, and I used to, um, you know, think a lot of these uh, pictures. I was so annoyed, like, why are they blurry? And why are these, like, oh, just a couple of lights? But I don't know if you've ever tried to take a picture just with, a like, a regular camera. Oh, yeah, it's not, terrible. Of, like, the moon or something. It, I'm like, oh, this is like, impossible. shit. Like, you have to be, like, a professional photographer with, like, r- like specialty equipment. Yeah, night. And really let it sit there and have it pointed at a stationary object. I know. So hard to take. Well, you, you know, you're a photographer. Exactly. What about all the reports? The recent reports of the UFOs, guys. I know that's why. Yeah, that's is why that the declassified? Yeah, you know that, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I thought about the second I saw it. I thought about Lindsay. I, I came to I work like, that oh, day. Joe shit. was like, "Did you see?" And I said, <laughs> "No, I didn't see." And stop fucking talking about it. Pretty cool. Okay, I had I had a very crazy thought. Okay, what if? Yeah, the aliens and the paranormal spirits have been working together all along. What if, like every paranormal experience, is extraterrestrial? Mm-hmm. Is like extraterrestrials working with the Hat Man? Can you just imagine like an alien and the Hat Man? What if the Hat Man working, is an alien working together to yeah. like gather intel and information? Mm-hmm. Uh huh. That would be such a fun movie. Mm-hmm. Like real campy, like you know, like a fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah. I wrote re- record a podcast there. Yep. Oh yeah. Okay. Abductions. Modern day abductions. Kill me. 2019, somebody was abducted from the Mojave Desert. Oh, disappearance. That part was mm, disappearance. To me, it's all the same. Well, yeah. And that's what people are trying to connect those dots, but there's no proof that mm-hmm. they disappeared because of an abduction. There's, yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the speculation with some people. The thing about potential alien abductions, the thing that scares me the most, the, the piece of information from all the things that we've read and seen that Mm -hmm. like sticks in my brain the most that scares me the most is not them actually coming out of a spaceship and coming to get me it's the operating table why is there always an operating table involved because that's what they're i don't know that's what they're coming to do to us why can't they just come down shake your hand and leave hi i'm real bye well think think about what we do with animals we do all kinds of we are not animals to them we are. I know. Well, I guess we kind of are technically mammals, but... That's the scary thing that it could be if, if those things are really... We're just like an ant to them. Oh, I... It's the thought of the invasion of my body mm-hmm. with no control and no memory. When they were going to the hypnosis, I was thinking, fuck that. I don't want to know. Mm. Ignorance is bliss. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in that situation. Uh, she had an alien baby. Maybe. Probably. How crazy? Oh. How crazy is that? Just like, just think about it as a, as a possibility. Like, what if, what if some people are? They have some kind of like hidden chromosome? alien chromosome. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. I mean, I guess that stuff would uh, show up on tests. So, but maybe well, I don't know. Okay, maybe the aliens a, have like they've snuck it. There's the thing about tests, you know, where it's like when you're not looking for something, you're not testing for it. So, like, yes, okay, you go to the doctor for a physical and you have your regular blood work done and they see that, you know, some cell counts are off and then they discover that you have cancer. Mm-hmm. Well, they were looking to make sure everything was right. But if you uh, aren't doing a, some sort of genetic testing, how are mm-hmm. you going to find your alien chromosome? You're not looking for that. How, Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. How crazy would it be if it was obvious? Like, how insane would that be if somebody, like, somebody normal-looking dies... And then the corner is like, what the fuck? That would like, be great. Like, like inside of them or just like 
organs that they've never seen before. <gasps> like, what is going on here? Like, something out of, like, Men in Black or something. That'd like. be fascinating. Yeah. Ooh, I kind of dig that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like a 23 and Me. And they're like, oh, oh, shit, you're 15% alien. <laughs> right? Yeah, they do 23andMe, and it just registers as like, please contact. Or yeah, you do the 23andMe, and you don't hear back from anybody, and then just a bunch of men in black just show up at your house. Oh, my God. That's it. You're gone. Yep. And you just <laughs> disappear. Oh, my gosh. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. All right. All right. I'm ready for some Those haunt. are great. Thank you. I'm Thank ready for you. some haunted houses. Haunted houses. Um, I think this is a really, a really good tale. It hits a lot of different tropes all at once, oh, which okay. I love. You know, we have uh, <laughs> we have, we we have. Oh, oh, I didn't. I'm just reading my own notes. Ah, oh, the, the so the storyteller right at the beginning yeah. um, is talking about how ghosts aren't always old ladies because previously you've said like why are they always old like old crickety ladies in victorian <laughs> dresses and okay um and, and that seems to be a common theme but yeah, but yeah in this scenario we have a different kind of ghost All and right. i'm super into that and then i found it further interesting and it confirmed i think i said this last week or two weeks ago about how when babies cry mm-hmm. and like how children are more susceptible to these things it's like they're not i don't think always that they're just crying because they're melancholy or they have poop in their diaper they are seeing things that we can't see and this story confirms that i'm again a genius interesting uh-huh uh-huh oh i love it and then the third piece of the puzzle is that it is confirmed by someone else without any prompting so i just think that you've got like you've got something haunting the house you've yeah. got the baby for sure seeing something and then you've got an outside source confirming that something strange is going on in the house I like it. I dig it. Who's your squishy friend? I've been sticking with Trayla. Oh, okay. Is that the broken Trayla? Yeah, she's fine now. She is? Mm-hmm. She really kind of like her face slowly. <laughs> you, can see, you can see like the oh, scars. Oh, that's not what I meant. Um, I meant her neck. If you like look. Oh, a couple of them. Yeah, her neck's a little oh. rough. They're, they're joints. And you know, over here, gets a little rough. Oh. Yeah, it's what okay. She's fine. Oh, she's fine. She's fine. She okay. feels great. Okay. Oh, man. Okay, well, are you ready for the tale at the 323 house? I am. I am into it. Hello, Scared to Death crew. I heard the podcast recently where Dan talked about scary ghosts always being ladies in Victorian dresses instead of hot girls, and it made me think instantly of my own story. But first, a little backstory on my family and the 323 house. My wife and I lived in southern Oklahoma and really enjoyed the town that we lived in. It was, however, an hour from my job and any family that we had. We decided... I should start looking for uh, to rent a house on my lunch. We decided I should start looking for rentable houses on my lunch breaks. And a couple weeks later, the perfect house opened up for for us on Main Street in Blanchard, Oklahoma, which was where my job was located. We contacted the landlord and scheduled a tour of the house for that night. When we walked in the house, I noticed that there was a lot of stuff left behind from the previous tenants, but more on that later. The layout of the house was perfect. The master bedroom was adjacent to the living room, and there was a hall on the other side to the kids' rooms and bathroom. The landlord told us to give him a week to clear everything out of the house. We paid our deposit, and then my wife, my son, and I moved in a week later. Everything was normal for the first year or so, the only exception being an uneasy feeling in the room that would become my daughter's room. My son would play happily in his room, babbling and toddler speak and crashing dinosaurs into each other. Shortly before my daughter was born, I asked him, who are you talking to? And he simply replied, the boy. He would continue to play with the boy until we learned that the boy had other plans in mind. 
Fast forward six months after my daughter is born. She would not sleep in her room at all and would cry instantly when we took her in there. I knew something was wrong, but I thought nothing of paranormal activity. My son was growing increasingly scared of the boy, telling me and my wife that the boy would become angry if he didn't get to play the games he wanted to. It got so bad that I started having to tell the boy that playtime was over and grab the hand of this invisible child and walk him out of the house before my son would go to sleep. In October of our third year in the house, my wife and I decided to move again. The odd occurrences in the house were too much for either of us, and we wanted to be closer to Norman, Oklahoma anyways. As we were packing and loading trailers, I began talking with my neighbor about everything that had happened in the house. Before I could say anything about what my son had been telling us, my neighbor said, Is it the boy? He explained that the previous neighbor had spoken to him about similar strange occurrences with her child and that they had left extremely suddenly in the early evening hours a couple weeks before we moved in. I was shocked. My son's experiences had just been corroborated with another account and I knew instantly that we were making the right decision to leave. Our last day in the house consisted of the kids and I loading boxes and finishing with our move preparations while my wife was at work. My daughter had a dirty diaper, so I paused the box loading to clean her up. From her changing table, I had a direct line of sight down the hallway, through the master bedroom, and out the front door. I began cleaning her up as my son played happily with his toys in his room. I noticed movement out of the corner of my eye and glanced up. What I saw didn't at first register. I was looking at an amazingly beautiful brunette in a red dress walking down Mm. the hallway. From my glance, I could see that she was curvy and her dress hugged her in all the right places. As I mentioned, none of this really registered. I looked back down at my daughter and then did a double take as I thought more about what I had just seen. The woman was gone. And suddenly, my my son began to scream, Daddy, the boy! The boy! Daddy, he hurt me! At the same time, the natural light flooding into my daughter's room went completely dark and I could feel something angry and dark and evil over my right shoulder. My daughter's eyes went wide with fear and she began screaming in terror as well. I scooped her up and ran out of the room. I burst into my son's room to find him on the floor with three angry red scratch marks across his cheek. With my free hand, I scooped him up as well and sprinted out of the house, both kids hugged tightly to my chest. I strapped them both into the truck and told my son, buddy... I know you're scared right now, but I need you to hug your sister for a minute and comfort her. Comfort her. I have to go get Mia. Our corgi was still inside and she was losing her mind. I ran through the front door to find her in front of the in the front room barking angrily at the master bedroom. I turned to look and my heart sank. A black swirling mass had engulfed the kids' bedrooms. Where I could see sunshine and their brightly painted rooms before, now I could only see the swirling darkness. A red dress swirled and a hand beckoned from the void as I was looking at it. Fuck you, I said, turning away and grabbed the dog. I picked her up and ran from the house, slamming the door shut behind me. I left a refrigerator, a deep freezer, and a closet full of clothes in that house. I explained to my life, I explained to my wife why I'd never go back in there, and she agreed that leaving the stuff behind was probably for the best. I have not researched what happened at that house, nor do I want to know. All I know is that hot ghosts are never (laughs) a good thing, Dan. I love the podcast, and I eagerly await each episode each week. You guys keep doing great stuff. Thank you, Cody. Man, that was a good one, Cody. I know. Is that good? I mean, I I always feel weird saying, like, that was a good one, like, as if it's, like, just a good story. I know it's, like, like encounter, but yeah. that, I got, like, crazy chills. 
I know. When, um, like, the scratch and then, like, the room going dark and – yeah, because – and it's funny because I, I was kind of getting in my head for a second. I wanted to know, like, um, the previous family that left because, like, I thought it was, like, the boy started doing bad things or, yeah, I wonder what it was. But I guess if it's an attack there and they were getting ready to leave – before that final encounter. Right, right. They were just having like small things, like their daughter was always uncomfortable yeah, there. Yeah, no, it was so uncomfortable like, in the okay. sun, but it's like, but that was the first attack he mentions, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the thing he said before is that the little boy gets angry when you don't play the games he wants, something yeah. to that effect. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I wonder what that means. But it might just uh, might just have meant his son saying the boy gets angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's probably just that his son is nervous and scared of this spirit that is probably threatening him. Uh, like, oh, play my game. Yeah, that one really creeped me out. I know. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to take it down a notch? Do you need a little respite? I mean, I like getting scared. So I, I like that. I like, I like the feeling of chilling. I like that it's involuntary. Mm-hmm. It's such a weird thing. Like, um, I think it is. I've never in my life been like, I'm going to have the chills now. <laughs> Just like giving my body the chills. I wonder if some people kind of like, um, some people can twist their tongue. Some people can wiggle their ears. I think I can give myself the chills. You can? I think so. Really? I think I could do it right now. I can't. It's like a feeling. Um, it just happens. Like in my ears. Oh, it's going to sound so weird. And then just like a sort of like, like a way I like relax into it. I can't. I don't know how, I don't know how you do that. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Okay, well, after a good, scary tale like that, I thought I'd balance it out a little bit yeah. with the tale of a spirit um, in a family home that has made herself very well known, but doesn't seem to mean anyone any harm. But all the all the less, uh, nonetheless, I found it a bit unnerving. I'm yeah. just like, okay. Excuse me. Um, here we go. Hey, Lindsay and Dan. My friend Abby, a hardcore creeper, turned me onto this podcast, and I absolutely love it. Good job. (laughs) This is a long one, but here we go. To give you some background, I come from a long line of witches on my father's side, side, and I myself am a Wiccan. To be more specific, I'm a practicing, solitaire, eclectic witch specializing Mm -hmm. in dream magic. By the way, Lindsay, your crystal addiction is totally valid. (laughs) Ha ha. When I was a little girl, I used to talk to spirits regularly. My mother had always assumed I just had an imaginary friend, but sometimes even she couldn't deny the presence of someone or something else. Anyways, as I got older, I frequently got sleep paralysis and lucid dreams, and they continue to this day. The figures I see can change depending on where I am. Most often, it's a man who will just stand in the corner of the room and if I can catch him with my eyes. If I cannot catch him, this tall man will grab my feet and pull me taut. He then proceeds to sit directly on top of me, his featureless face inches from mine, taking all breath away. I've learned to let him do this because the quicker he essentially makes me unconscious is when I will wake up. That's her lucid dream. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The dreams got so intense, I didn't like sleep. It didn't help that I... Uh, It didn't help that every night I'd wake at 3 a.m. to my closet door opening. It started to scare my little sister, Kay, who also shared a room with me. Kay is not a peeper and will watch horror movies with the blankest expressions entirely (laughs) unfazed. This wasn't anything either of us could explain away, though, because because the doorknob is very old. When you turn the knob, you can actually hear the mechanism click. Then this door has to be pulled open with a little pop and it scrapes across the carpeted floor. Every night at 3 a.m. we could hear it click, pop, scrape. After the door would open, there there was a certain heaviness that filled the small room. 
you could hear the unmistakable sound that feet make on carpet. The kind of sound that's not quite a shuffle, but can't really be explained. Furious, I would tell Kay to go back to bed and to leave the door alone, thinking she would get up and close it. We slept in bunk beds, and from below me, I could hear her whisper sharply, Sky, that's not me. It didn't take long to realize I would have felt her get out of bed as the bunk beds rocked a bit when one of us would get up. I moved into my own room a few years later and nightly, Kay would hear me screaming and scratching at the wall I now shared with her and she often caught me sleepwalking and talking in the hallways at night. I'd laugh in the middle of the night and had a tendency to mess with television remotes and lights flipping them on and off. Kay's closet continued popping open almost every night at three in the morning. To add to the terror we were experiencing, we often saw shadows on the walls at night. Sure, shadows can make you think you see something when it is actually nothing, but these shadows were special. There's an old mirror that hangs in my living room as you walk through the halls at night. Those extra shadows seem to follow you. The worst part is that more often than not, these shadows will continue moving across the wall to the mirror even after you've stopped. One particular afternoon, my mother, who had been skeptical my entire childhood, began to entertain the idea of a haunting. I was standing in the kitchen, and I saw her come in behind me. I saw her telltale, curly brown hair brush by. I was talking to her about school stuff, and when she entered the kitchen from the same hall, I had seen her come in from. Who are you talking to? She asked, looking perplexed. I explained I thought I was talking to her. My house is so small, I would have seen if she had exited the kitchen and come back. I was confused and frustrated as she chalked it up to me watching too many horror movies. She denied the spirit until a bag of chips that sat in a bowl on top of the fridge flew off onto the floor. It was as if the spirit was making herself known, sick and tired of being written off. (laughs) I'm not sure who actually named her, but now my whole household calls her Curly because she has (laughs) long curly hair and we didn't want to offend her by getting her name wrong. We coexist with Curly now. My sister has to tie her closet door shut, and the rest of the family says hi to her as they pass through a cold spot or see her trademark curly hair race past. She has some sort of vendetta against chips and will regularly toss them out of the bowl off the top of the fridge. I no longer live at home, but she makes herself known when I visit. My parents are now both Catholic and display religious items around the house. Whoever or whatever it is means no harm, but it definitely has no intention of leaving. I called Kay while writing the story to check my story myself, and she laughed about the blinds in our room, moving to the other side of the window. I laughed with her and said, oh yeah, when you used to try to climb into bed with me? She did this so many times that uh, so many times after the footsteps I, that we heard, I had put a large pillow by the ladder so she couldn't climb into bed with me. But her response just now gave me the chills. I never left my bed, she said. For years, I'd been thinking she was trying to climb into my bed while she was actually just watching the blinds herself be pushed from one side of the window to the other, too frightened to say anything. She also added that since I've been gone, a strange knock now comes from behind a large painting of angels that has been in the house for longer than she and I have been alive. It scares my mother as she gets ready for work in the dark, early morning hours. Keep up the podcast, my spookies. Your witchy, ride-or-die creeper, Sky. That was, like, uh, yeah, again, a good one, Sky. I thought you said that one was going to be, like, a not-scary one. I don't think it's that scary. I think that Curly just wants to hang out. And climb into bed with her and... 
I okay. I just don't find that story scary. I find it like okay, like Curly is here. She's not leaving. She's making mm-hmm. her presence known, but she's not harming anyone. I don't think that she's trying to scare anyone. She feels like a little kid or something. Like peekaboo, hide and go seek, like in the closet, yeah. wants to curl up into bed with you. Like I don't know. I just got the feeling that like terrifying in in the sense that like oh my god this is for real this is happening mm-hmm. you know confirmation kind of thing to live in that house and you know all of that but once you figure out that curly doesn't mean any harm yeah i don't know how how weird would just the potato chip thing be <gasps> i know i mean you're saying like you know not any harm but it would spook you like, uh, of course it would. Like, like, I'm just thinking of, like, on our fridge. Not that we ever leave a bowl up there, but just for that, like, visual. Yeah. Um, <laughs> having, like, a bowl up on top of the fridge yeah. full of chips and then just seeing one of those just fly out. Because there's just... There's no there's no reason for that. No, there's no vent there. Mm-mm. There's no breeze that would come through there. It defies gravity. It's just, like, it, that would be ridiculous. Do you want to sing the song Defying Gravity right now? Do I want to sing the song Defying Gravity? I didn't even know there was a song called Defying Gravity. Oh, my God. Who are you? Okay. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> Is it new? No. Oh. Who sings it? It's from a um, musical. Ugh. <laughs> I'm not a big musical person. You know that. Uh, are okay. We getting... Well, I guess let's move on to something else. <laughs> Do you... Can I start with um, the spoopy, the um, Annabelle shout-out? Yeah, of course. Okay, thank you. I would like to thank the following Annabelle's Micha Bear. Dominic Dumont, Tori Sabo, Max, no last name given, and Tori, no last name given, Shannon, oh man, I gave myself the hard ones, Kesva Morris, Shannon Kesva Morris, Jessica Anderson, Krista Scruggs, Leslie Mungi, 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 rhymes with spongy, Leslie Mungi, Nick Perry, Mario Ortega, Nick Willard, Patrick Kaler, Edward Parker, David Hayes, and Don Jones. Nice. I'm having a hard time with words today. <laughs> no, you did good. Uh, I would like to thank the following Annabelles. Michael Hennessy, Lacey Sanchez, Mike, no last name given, Sarah Sirwald, Melanie Grandlund, Gerard Dechant, Classic <laughs> Classic Austin. <laughs> I like Classic Austin. Carly May, uh, Fabiola De La Torre, uh, Adrian Studaway, Alexander Gillum, uh, Angelique Tate, Mary Kardak, Karen McKay, and Lawrence Harris. Good job. Thank you. Can I do some spoopy shout Spoopy shout out time. All right, let's do it. To Patera, a.k.a. Jaja, <laughs> from Becky, happy birthday, sister. To Colton, from Maddie Lynn, happy birthday. To Eric, from Cheryl, happy belated birthday. To Nadinator, from Ashley, happy birthday, brother. Don't tell the others you're my favorite. <laughs> And two, Catherine cute. from Melissa, happy belated birthday. Oh, those are all very cute. The NATO Nader. NATO Nader. Uh, that is all for today. Thank you for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. You can email us for everything else uh, at info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Thank you to Logan Keith for running badmagicmerch.com and our social media accounts, along with Liz Hernandez at Scared to Death Podcast on Instagram and Facebook is where you'll find the pictures that correspond to today's episodes, uh, today's episode and more. Thanks to Joe Paisley for producing and directing today, to Zach Cohen for custom soundbed creation. Finally, thanks to Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails, to Sophie Evans for finding the first story today, and to Sarah Finch for finding the second Quick correction from the credits of last week's show. Oh, Lord. I was initially correct. Should have went with what I wrote. I don't know why I do that all the time. I do that all the time. 
all the time. Can I, I tell you something? Mm-hmm. I second guess myself. Yeah. Yes. But also, if you make a mistake, while we all appreciate like you coming back, mm-hmm. no one's like, oh, how I, dare he? I feel bad for Sarah. Sarah I, Finch did the original research for I the monster in the mirror, not Sarah Sophie. Sarah and Sophie. They're going to kill me if they find me. Oh. No. <laughs> I think that they'll be like, yeah. you might get an email of like, hey, ha ha, that mm-hmm. was my story. And then you can email them back and be like, hey, sorry, I'm just human. They're not going to come through acid in my face or something? No. That's pretty extreme. Yeah. Uh, subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube if you want to watch these shows. Sign up to be Robert or Annabelle on Patreon if you want any additional monthly content. And then quick reminder, Volume 2, Scared to Death, the book of true horror short stories, all fans submitted, available for pre-order now. A bound one. A bound one. A bound one, available now. Oh. Unless you're listening to this as an early release episode, uh, if you're Robert or Annabelle. But uh, on the date, this comes out to everybody. And when they're gone, they're gone. So order fast if you want a copy. Thanks again for supporting such a fun project. Enjoy your nightmares, creeps, and peepers. Hope you were scared to death. Bye, y'all. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through, but hath no home here within, scared to death. Bad Magic Productions.